Okay. So hang on. Here we go. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Well, that's a, a new introduction. Hey, Blog Talk listeners, this is Tom Hayes in Boston, Massachusetts, USA, and I have uh, Rosemary is uh, helping me host today. Rosemary Young. And, oops, hey, Tom. Uh, on that. <laughs> we've got, yeah, we go to we've the got sugar shack. Sugar shack music. I'll, ex- I'll explain what that is in a second. I gotta get that off. Yeah. Um, that was a surprise. Here we go. Little music that we didn't plan on, but uh, so all the way from England uh, and our great friend from the UK, uh, Jane Kenyon, and welcome back. Thank you. I was just mentioning off air that. Uh, it's a pleasure and an honor to get you because your time is so precious. Um, you know, I, I did a poster yesterday about your books about the diva and the superwoman. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you have a new book? No, I'm writing a new book, actually. I am writing a new book for teenage girls, actually. I'm writing a book for 14-year-olds, so that's quite fun. Uh, but no, I've just got the yeah, two I'll books bet. that I wrote. Why did you pick? Yeah. Uh, why did you pick that age? Well, obviously, I mean, Tom, I, I work with teenage girls all the time. I mean, part of right. my uh, charity and my legacy is an organisation called Girls Out Loud, which is all about inspiring the next generation of female leaders, female talent. And so I'm working sure. with girls between the age of 13, 14, all the time. And, and I don't think there's anything out there um, that can give them the messages that I could give them. I think there's a lot of stuff telling them a lot of negative stuff, but I want them to believe in themselves and I want them to know that they're amazing and that they're already powerful and that they're already enough. And so I, I've, I've kind Fantastic. of been thinking about writing this book for quite a while and uh, I'm just putting the outline of it together. Probably be out next year. Well, I don't know anybody, anybody that could uh, do it better, and I say that from based on the, the fact of one of the podcasts that we did when you told your life story, which I still mm-hmm. tell people, and that's one mm-hmm. of the benefits, and Rosemary uh, will agree, we've both gained so much from hosting this show that um, the stories that have come out of it are just phenomenal, and yours yeah, especially, I mean, has all the ingredients you. of, you know, spiritual mastery, you know, having gone mm-hmm. through the adversity that you went through, the success that you went through, and then, of course, the, the uh, as we could probably say, the fall, and a couple of, mm. you know, falls, a couple of bad couple adversities, of falls, and yeah. then you couple rose above it all. Falls. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, don't I, just, I was thinking half. about them today. Yeah, and, and you mm-hmm. know, Rosemary is certainly no uh, stranger to adversity. She lives with it every mm-hmm. single day, you know, mm-hmm. with um, her daughter. I was, with, uh, I was just going to say, I was just going to say, Tom, Victoria turned 14 in May. Wow. She wow. is a teenager, right. and she is showing a lot of the signs, of teen, especially in her attitude. Yeah. <laughs> there are oh, times. Yeah. She knows more than you yeah. know, Rosemary, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Well, I, she I, knows I, everything now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And yeah. well, well, she has Rett syndrome. I know. Yeah, I know. We mentioned before she has yeah. Rett syndrome, and yeah. she expresses herself in in a lot more different ways than mm-hmm. most. And and uh, she will actually roll her eyes at me now. Um, <laughs> she does. She rolls her eyes at me. Welcome to my world, Rosemary. Welcome to my world. <laughs> well, you know, I have an older daughter. She's going to be twenty one in September. At the on well, mm-hmm. on the twelfth of this month. She'll be 21, and I dealt with that. You know, mm-hmm. she she was 14, 15. It was, you know, closing the bedroom door. Mom, you just don't yeah. know. You don't you know? know anything. <laughs> you know nothing. 
<laughs> You've never been a teenager. Well, let me well, let me let me state um, my position on this before we get yeah. rocking here, because I think we've got yeah. such a, a great we've got a tinderbox here that could explode or, or just mm-hmm. go the way, but I think it will. I too have two daughters, grown daughters. Now I went through the whole uh, teenage thing, but. I find, uh, you know, I want to clarify my position on feminism. I believe Mm -hmm. myself to be the ultimate feminist. I'm not a political Mm -hmm. feminist, but I totally believe in the power of women. And the, I mean, coming from a male, I understand how powerful women are. And in, I practiced what I preached because in the when I was in, working for an international company, um, and I had uh, f- a sales territory, and I was a manager. I, of the seven positions I had, four of them were female, and I hired not based on education or experience. I based on I hired on talent. I looked for mm-hmm. things like enthusiasm and drive and personality and empathy all of the things that would make great. And I would, was proud to see the four women alternate in becoming the number one sales individuals in the entire company. So mm-hmm. I feel that I, you know, I, I know what you're talking about. Women mm-hmm. do not get the coaching and the empowerment. So what you're doing, Jane, and um, I also see we've had Sarah Newton on a few times, so I'm, I'm so proud yeah. of both of you guys for yeah, what you're, the work you're doing. Now, so, yeah. yeah, so uh, I'm going to shut up for a bit. I think I'll okay. just want to say that what, what incited this conversation was an article by Amy Westervelt on the Huffington Post on why having it all kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. And when I saw feminism take off, I kind of, I, I've got a little vision, and I could, could kind of see where that might go and how it may have, a detrimental effect on women, mm-hmm. and she points mm-hmm. that out in the article. Yeah. So I'm going to shut up, and I'm going to let you okay. go with it. Okay, so that article did resonate with me because it's this whole concept of having it all. So we talk about, you know, as women, that we can now have it all. You know, we can have everything we want, and there's all these choices, and that's very true, but it comes at a price. And I don't believe that you can have it all all the time. I think that you have to compromise and you have to um, think about where your priorities are. And and I also have this debate with women all the time about what is it. So, you know, we're told that we can have it all, but what is it? What is all? And if all all is doing everything that we did before the feminist revolution, doing everything that we did before, which would be having babies – being the primary child carer, being a homemaker, being the cook, being the social host, being the cleaner, being the teen chauffeur, supporting, being a supporting and nurturing wife. If having it all is doing all of that, but just putting a job in the mix as well, then I don't want it all. I definitely don't want exactly. it all. Exactly. Who would? And, you know, I mean, yeah, uh, one of the things that I prided myself on and coached the women that I had working for one of the beauties uh beautiful things about sales was that you weren't reporting to a home office so you didn't have a watchful eye you know watching every move and measuring whether you were putting in time or not that was all based on results and yeah. one of the things yeah. i taught them to do was to manage their time put priorities yeah. and so that they could have it all because mm. um you know they were just so talented mm. that they could mm. run a, an established territory mm. and still mm. have time for the other things mm-hmm. but 
uh, well, I, I a lot of them had trouble question. with that. Yeah, I don't think there's any question that women are as capable as men. I don't think that's up for debate. Absolutely. I think that the, the debate is that, um, you know, if you want to have a career and you want to have a family, then there are issues around how you set that up. So let me say it's one of the things I talk to women about all the time. I, I, you know, I work with women, exclusively with women, um, and I've done that for the past 20 years. And I, and I only ever meet four types of women. The first women uh, group of women are women that have chosen work over family and are in conflict about it. The second group of women are those that have chosen family over work and are in conflict about it. The third group of women are women that have chosen work and family, and guess what? They're in conflict about it. And the fourth group of women are women that I call divas. These are women that have somehow managed to sort of zone out all that noise, zone out all that stress, and decide what they want, define their life on their terms, and have set it up in, on, on their terms, and know what they want, and know how to go out and get it, and have got the infrastructure to support that. So what I mean by that is what we're not talking about, what we very rarely talk about in this debate is the men. And, and if you, I mean, I, I have a very solid career, um, and I also have family commitments, but I have a man in that mix, and we do things together. We decide how we're going to set things up. We decide who's going to do what. We support each other. And I think that that might be a missing link for a lot of career women, because wow. what they're doing You're is doing the chills, everything right? they did before exactly. and trying to have a career. So they're still well, the primary caregiver. They're still doing everything at home. They're still the number one nurturer. And you can't do all of that. You have to have no. a partner. No, I, I got into this. This uh, surfaced. I recently had a, a roommate, uh, of, of, a daughter of a good friend, and uh, who was in her mid-20s. And she would come over on, on a certain weekends. She and her girlfriends would be in the house, and they'd be having a little wine-tasting party or whatever. And I'd hear them talk about it. And a lot of them were relationship-less. And uh, the word independence would come up. And mm -hmm. uh, one night I proposed the word, and uh, one of them was a psychology major with a degree from a well-known uh, institution. And I, I mentioned, well, what's wrong with interdependence? And, and, and you know, if I, I'm putting the nomenclature on what I think mm -hmm. you and Tony have, I think mm -hmm. that's what you're talking about is interdependence, mm -hmm. two independent people who get together, together. and yeah. decide to have interdependence for the betterment yeah. of not only the family and the home, but for each other. And this yeah. young gal, Absolutely. all of them, all of the women had no idea what the word was or what mm -hmm. it meant. Mm -hmm. And I think that, because that's, somehow, a, that's Tom, a shame. That, done, yeah, they see it as a weakness. Somehow so many women see yes. Um, you know, being vulnerable or being dependent on somebody else, and let's say a man for argument's sake, they see that as a weakness. Instead of seeing that as a, as a life-enhancing uh, situation, they see it as a weakness. They think that feminism means that they should be able to do it all without a man, that they should be able to be independent and, and financially independent and all those things. Well, in, in anybody that knows me would know that I am fiercely independent. You know, my independence is very important for me. Women before me fought for that, and I would not give that up. But that does not mean to say 
that I'm not vulnerable and that I'm not in my feminine space and that I don't want to have a relationship in a, on a feminine and masculine basis. And I don't want to be looked after for every now and again. I do. I'm quite happy for that because my vulnerability is my gift to my husband. You know, and I don't give it away to anybody else. I give it to him. And That's it's right. to him to look after it. And if he doesn't look That's after right. it, he's Honor it, yes. Yeah. So, but, but this exactly. whole thing about being vulnerable um, is, you know, it's, a, it's like a dirty word to a lot of women. Oof, I'm not going to be vulnerable. I'm very independent and I can look after myself and I don't need a man. And whenever I hear that, I think that I, I pity that. I think that's very sad. And it's a real misunderstanding of what feminism is about because, you know, feminism is about equality. It's about, you know, me saying that I'm just as capable and I, I demand the same rights, opportunities and choices as, as my male counterparts. That's it. It doesn't mean I want to be a man. It doesn't mean right. I want to be subservient to a man. It means that, you know, I want to be equal in my capability and, and the opportunities that I'm given. And so I think it's kind of sometimes taken out of context. I mean, a lot of the stuff that I write um, about Superwoman is about this, because what Superwoman is, Superwoman is a woman that she's playing the little Miss Perfect game to start off with. So she's got to be perfect at everything. So she has very high expectations of herself. So she's got to be the best boss the best team player, the best mum, the best wife, the best lover, the best domestic goddess, the best mum at the school gate, the best neighbour, the best sister, the best daughter, the best best friend, and so on. And she puts herself under amazing pressure to be perfect all the time. And not only does she have to, have to behave to these level of expectations, but she has to do it all looking like she's just stepped off a L'Oreal ad in stilettos. <laughs> So, you know, it's like it's an unbelievable expectation, but she's put that expectation on herself. So because of that expectation, if she does anything wrong, she beats herself up. So yes. typically you see women, you know, they might have just nailed a multi-million pound deal at work. And they, uh -huh. that means they were five minutes late to pick up their four-year-old from daycare. And right. they will beat themselves up about that five minutes late and forget what they did. 15 minutes right. earlier. They'll find anything to beat themselves up. And so they go through this cycle all the time of having these high expectations and then falling off that pedestal and then beating themselves up. And because they have these high expectations, they, don't, they have very low expectations of everybody else around them because they don't think anybody mm. can do as well as them. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So you hear these women talking about, oh, well, you know, it's, can't find the staff. It's best. It's easier to do it yourself than show anybody else to do it. Don't mm -hmm. talk about my husband because he can't do anything. I, I do everything. Mm -hmm. It's better for me to do everything because I do everything better. And so they end mm -hmm. up being very scary, military organized control freaks. And they're now spinning lots of different plates. They're doing everything. Yeah? And eventually that isn't sustainable. So eventually one of those plates comes smashing to the ground. And what Superwoman does at this point is she blames everybody else for that mistake because it can't possibly be her fault because she's doing everything. So this model of behavior is like it's strong woman to victim in the same conversation probably 10 times a day, sometimes 10 times an hour. It's very confusing. It's a very confusing model. It's confusing for the people around her. Um, it's confusing as a role model, what she's passing on to her daughter. Um, what basically has happened here, these women, they have confused 
control with power. They think mm. that controlling everything gives them power. And what I say to them is, you know, all controlling everything does gives you is a headache. That's all it gives you is a headache. Uh, I've I've got the chills here and laughing at the same time because I concur a thousand percent. Um, Mm -hmm. As I said, I I saw it in the field when, you know, these women would, you know, be high, 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 high achievers and yet all of this torment going on inside and never really feeling, you know, the security and the sense of confidence that they displayed Mm -hmm. in in effect Mm -hmm. by their results. Mm-hmm. And so, but where, where do you see, and you just, the, the adjectives you gave, the militancy. I, I mm-hmm. live in the hotbed of feminism probably in the world because it all started here mm-hmm. in Wellesley, you know, Wellesley, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. Cambridge, and, you know, the glorious, I was there. I was in, on campus. Mm-hmm. I was a graduate student. Yeah. I saw it all happening, and I said, whoa. I said, well, where is all this hate? Where is all this anger? Where is mm-hmm. all this coming mm-hmm. from? And where is it going? And, you know, one of my mm-hmm. things is that they, I, I, I chide once in a while and I say, you know, they promised you a career, but what they gave you was a cubicle. Because mm-hmm. a lot of women don't reach that pinnacle of a true self-fulfilling career or something they truly are passionate about. Mm-hmm. And they, they've swapped the kitchen for a cubicle and their, or their kids mm-hmm. for a cubicle. And I say, mm-hmm. you got duped, you know. So my mm-hmm. question is, where are they getting this mm-hmm. this paradigm of what mm-hmm. that perfect woman is, mm-hmm. the superwoman? It's coming. Mm-hmm. It's coming from the media. In my opinion, it's coming well, it's from coming the media. It's from coming from the intellectuals who started it. It's coming from lots of places. Yeah, go ahead. But the bottom line is, the bottom line is that, in a way, we were sold this dream that we could have it all. We were sold this. You know, you can have a career. Mm-hmm. You know, you're as good as men, so and so mm-hmm. forth. But men haven't changed. So there's very little shift in in the male perspective on this. So how many men do you know that are house husbands? How many men do you know that actually would take an equal responsibility in the housework? How many men do you know that would um, you know promote a woman um, as easily as they would promote their mate that they play golf with or cricket with or whatever? So what happened was we shifted because we bought into something and feminism gave us this opportunity to go out to work and to be seen as equal and to be able to do what men do. But actually men didn't ask for that, did they? They didn't ask for that. So now there's a lot going on where men are threatened and so there's a lot of pulling rank, there's a lot of um, closing up these gaps. So women are now, a lot of these women have gone into organizations where they don't have enlightened male bosses like you or like Tony you know they're going into very established hard industries and hard organizations that are male dominated that are still run on male very strong male values and they either fit in or they get out and so this is where superwomans come from it's from women that have taken on too much male energy um, and mm. they think that that's how they're going to compete. That's what, yep. and that in a lot of cases, that's what they do have to do. It's one of the reasons I got out of corporate because you know I wasn't prepared to do that. I, I wasn't prepared to sabotage my authenticity to climb a ladder. Exactly. I decided to create my exactly. own ladder. Yeah, but and, I feel you know, for my women that are in that profession. Exactly. I feel for women they, that are in that you profession. know, and this is what I I think. 
you know, I, again, I don't know how I have the insight or the vision or whatever you want to call it, but what I said, I, you know, when I heard the rhetoric in the beginning, I go, what are they talking about? You know, I know the power of women. I know the power that my mother had. And you see, you've hit on a point that I'm very sensitive to, is that I grew up in a house where none of the things you talk about existed. My father, tough, tough guy, um, a mm-hmm. construction worker, totally dedicated provider, uh, good dad, uh, went to work every day, came home, da-da-da-da-da. At the end of the supper time, he put on my mother's apron with all its frills and everything else, walked over to the sink and began to wash the dishes. And I had to stand beside mm-hmm. him and mm-hmm. and dry the dishes. Yeah. I, it, yeah. And that was after I had swept the floor. And on yeah. the weekends, I had to vacuum the house, and I had to—I hated the Venetian blinds because I had to run the duster through every single one. I had to clean the toilet. I had mm-hmm. to do all of those things, and I saw mm-hmm. my father doing the same. So yeah. I didn't under, when well, feminism came along with because, all of it. Yeah, good on your parents because that is—that's not normal. That is still very rare, you know. And I grew up in a family where I had a really strong um, father who was the, the sort of like the, the breadwinner. And my mother never worked. And so they had very clear roles. And they were both deliriously happy. And the house was very happy. But it was, you know, had very clear boundaries. So dad goes out to work and is a complete workaholic and probably doesn't come home until 7, 8 o'clock in the evening. And mum is the homemaker and the child carer. And that was absolutely fine. But that's not the way most homes are set up now. So most homes are now very different. In fact, the generation that I now work with will be the first generation where it will be absolutely um, standard that both partners will work. There's no question about it. There's no question that those girls will be stay-at-home mums unless they're marrying into money. They will have to go out to work because economy-wise, economically, they won't be able to be stay-at-home mums. My mum was a stay-at-home mum because my dad was very successful you know, he was a multimillionaire by by 40. And so he set up his life like that. You know, this generation now is coming into the workplace. They will be into relationships where they both work. And that's what we haven't got right. We haven't understood that the fact that we're both working, that house is not my responsibility. Those kids are not my sole responsibility. That kind of housework is not my sole responsibility. It's our responsibility. Therefore, how are we going to look at that, define it, and make it work? In the same way that we still see childcare uh, as, a, as a woman's domain. And it isn't. It takes two people to have a child, and those two people are responsible for that child. Not mother, and not just father. And these yeah, are the and my, and my question that we to all to of this is, what, right, my question to this is, why, mm-hmm. this is three generations now at least, uh, since the beginning of feminism, and this is a common complaint running thread running throughout the rhetoric. And my question is: Is I was trained. <laughs> my mother had me, all right, and trained me as to what my role was as a male. Uh, and I mm-hmm. saw her in my father. Now maybe it was mm-hmm. she was blessed to have my father, but when he wasn't there, you know, she was the one who made sure that I did the chores, that I learned yeah. the housework, that there was nothing. Yeah. Uh, unmasculine about doing yeah. those things, and I'm and and I think I'm saying to myself, well, all the rhetoric was toward hatred of men yeah. and this and that. Where was the rhetoric 
come is anybody giving the rhetoric ladies we got to take a little responsibility for this yeah. and start yeah. to educate our sons yeah. that this is You're the way it right. has and to I be and i don't remember I don't remember the hate rhetoric. I don't remember that. I don't. Oh, I don't see. Well, well let's see. In the states, it was they, just. It's hate. Yeah, it still is hate. I don't see that. You know. Mm. Yeah. No, I it's mean, hate. I, it, and know, that's people, what causes. I get. I get the odd person that might say to me, uh, you know, um, somebody who worked in a in a bank actually said to me many years ago, "Oh, Jane, you're not like one of those normal feminists, are you?" And I there you said, go. Oh, well, "Well, why? What's a normal feminist?" And she said to me, "You know, a woman that hates men." And it floored me yep. because I don't no, understand. What, the, I mean, I love men. <laughs> I well, adore men. See, and that, I don't that's understand what, that. Well, that's what makes you. Well, that what makes that makes you give you the philosophy you have. And mm. I mean, Tony and mm. I, one of one of our mm. podcasts, we touched on this, and he said he had. And this this horrified me to think that we had exported this to. UK. He opened the door mm. for a woman, and she turned around and she snapped at him. She says, "You don't have That's to right, do yeah. that because exactly. I'm, a, I'm a woman." What? And yeah. he was yeah. horrified. Yeah. And now that is yeah. that was the that was the the, the uh, modus operandi of the feminists here. Don't open the mm. door for me. Don't lift that bag mm. for me. And well, with anger sad. and venom. Yeah, very sad. And, and that was I the agree hate with you. I agree with you. It's about how we're raising the next generation because it's not just about how we raise girls. It is fundamentally how we raise boys. Of course and, it is. You know, we need and, and, to raise and the thing boys is, to... Yes. And, and, she, and I, what, all I continue to... Right. All I continue to see is, you know, and, 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 and women need this. Girls need this. Absolutely. I see it. But what is here nothing about... What do we do about the boys? Mm. You know, mm. how do we make them? Because mm. you know something, they, you know, I have a a daughter who's got a tough situation right now because she's she's married to a guy who's and and I'm seeing, this has become an epidemic. We see it everywhere that the guys who saw the the women leading the charge to be responsible to have the uh, careers, et cetera, and to be the superwoman. A lot of these guys just took it and said, well, you go ahead. Yeah. You'll be the breadwinner. In America, I just saw yeah. a statistic that yeah. 40% of the households now are the female is the breadwinner. Mm-hmm. And so these well, guys have not, become That's not an potatoes. issue in, in, in isolation. That's not an issue. Because some, sometimes I earn a lot more than Tony. That's not an issue in isolation. Right. If the values and the fundamentals of the relationship are right, it doesn't matter who earns more, does it? Exactly. But it's whether... It's whether it's all about energy and it's all about understanding as a woman where your feminine grace is, where your female. Oh, is. you know, you are. And as a man, I, I can't tell you. Your yeah, I'm sorry energy, for interrupting. It? You just, hmm. I, I, you, we resonate so deep on mm-hmm. our philosophies, yeah. you know, because I. <laughs> You know, and it shocks me that people, I guess, either aren't well-read or well-versed, and they're fed, they're fed what, um, you know, universities and school and conventional wisdom says. That they, 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 uh, he says, so, excuse me just a minute. Excuse me. Excuse me. Sorry about that interruption. I'm back. Um, but, but, you know, so what I'm saying is, is that, I looked at this, and if you look at anything like, if you read anything on Oriental philosophy and the Tao, mm-hmm. you know, the soft mm-hmm. overcomes the hard. And what I saw yeah. a lot of women doing with feminism was they, they, they assumed that the power was with the masculine. Mm, no. 
Well, it's in the heart, and it's, everything now is in the head. Yeah. It is if you're a man. Your, your, your power is in your masculine if you're male. It certainly isn't if you're female. You know, if you're female, the power is in your female energy, not male. Because, and superwoman is in her male energy. And that's why she's unattractive. And that's why it, it, there's a real disconnect, because it's not where she should be. She should be in a feminine energy. And when you explain exactly. that to women, I mean, I run workshops on this all the time. They sit there and they have, they have this complete realization. And they realize why their life and their work is hard. Because it's hard when you're trying to be somebody that you're not. It's hard when you're trying exactly. to walk in somebody else's energy. You know, if you just sat back where you should be in your female energy, it would all look. It would all be so much easier because men aren't attracted to women in their male energy. You know, exactly. and, and therefore you're going to be in conflict and you're going exactly. to be, you know, um, in competition. And we, you don't need to be in competition. So, you know, and the way I explain that, this is the most powerful way I explain that to women. I say to them, one of the most fundamental differences between men and women is what we need out of a relationship. And the two main mm -hmm. things, women need certainty, okay? And men need to be admired. And these are two very different things. So let's set up a scenario where you're in a room with your husband and there's a dragon about to enter the room. And you both look at each other and you know there's a dragon about to enter the room. Now there are three options here. Either you can step in front of him and say, it's all right, I've got it. Either he can step in front of you, say, it's okay, I've got it. Or he can turn to you and say, do you want to get that or shall I? Now, <laughs> if you step in front of him, you've basically emasculated him. Because it's his right. job to protect you. It's his job right. to look after you. Right? So if you step right. in front, i.e., you know, you're doing this great, I can do this without you, I'm independent, I don't need a man stuff, you've just told him you don't need him, and therefore you've completely right. disrespected him. If right. he steps in front of that dragon, you feel completely protected, and you feel certain that he will look after you, be it a life and death situation, and that he will do the same for your kids. So you feel certain, and you feel happy. If he turns to you and says, uh, do you want to get this, love, or shall I? You have got absolute <laughs> uncertainty. And you will take over because you'll go, oh, for God's sake, if you don't even know what to do, get behind me, I'll sort it out. Right. And that's what you see superwomen doing all the time. They take that yep. power away from the man. And they yep. wonder why he feels emasculated. They wonder why yep. he then doesn't step up. That's what's going on with superwomen. When I exactly, women, we have this, there is this absolute right. realization, and they go, "Oh my God, I've been doing that to my husband for years." Yep. And I say, "Stop doing it and see what happens." Yep. So I when you come uh, educate and you explain this, they get it. But I think that we've been sold down the river on lots of these things, and we, you know, we've misinterpreted it in the wrong way, and. Um, you know, we do have a responsibility, but we also have a societal responsibility for changing the culture and making it easier for women to progress in that culture rather than turning them into men. And then, unfortunately, in a lot of industries and in politics, politics is, is a classic, you know, you can't get on. Um, you're not seen as powerful. You're not seen as important unless you actually become a, you know, become a man in drag. Yes. So we've yes. got to get that, haven't we? 
oh, it's, you know, I, again, I live in the hotbed of feminism here in this country and probably the world. It started here. Mm. It's, it's displayed. I mean, the women are even changing their body types. I mean, you, you know, I don't know if you get our TV and you see these mud, mud wrestling things on these, these oh, uh, obstacle I courses. I not be watching that. I can't you know, bear so that, but the, the, boxing. I can't bear it. Yeah, boxing, Why and they're, 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 they're combating men, and they're, no, you know, it's... can't get it. I don't yeah, get it, it's really... But, you know, you touch on the societal thing. I, I learned something recently. I mean, again, it takes me a while, but I, I have the ability to put the pieces together as I, you know, start to accumulate mm-hmm. the skills. And there's also a thing going on with a lot of single older women that they want, um, for whatever reason, they want to be mm-hmm. friends with men. They don't want to have a romantic mm-hmm. relationship. They want to be friends. And, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, and it's kind of an epidemic. I mean, a lot of guys are talking about mm-hmm. this. And then it hit me, you know, I, I spent a considerable amount of time every day with one woman. And I started to have feelings, and I said, you know, geez, we, mm-hmm. we get along so great. We spend tons of time together, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. No, I don't. Yeah, but I don't want that. And then it hit me. But I was – the the retreat was, oh, I can't believe that you're interested in me for that. And, like, oh, there was yeah. something oh, evil yeah. or wrong with me for doing that. Mm-hmm. So I said, mm-hmm. I said to uh, this one person, I said, you know, it's interesting that you're – by having me listen to your problems every day with your family, your job, your mother, whatever, you've taken, you've hit on an instinct which is that of me as a supporter. Yeah, yeah. You know, somebody that you can rest your emotional mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. trials and tribulations and have mm-hmm. a voice. So you're you're hitting that instinct, and in some cases, mm-hmm. I would help them out financially. And I says you're mm-hmm. starting to hit on my provider instincts as well. Yeah. Yet, yeah. The other male instinct, you, you want, want to totally in the gate. Yeah. That's fear, though. I said, but, that says more about her than you. That's fear. That's just fear right. of commitment. That's fear of getting hurt. That's, that's fear of vulnerability. Again, this vulnerability. You see, I see vulnerability as power in my relationship. Sure it is. My vulnerability is my power because Tony knows that it is his exclusively. And he knows that if, if he... If he messes with that vulnerability, he is history. And so I am very happy to give him that vulnerability. And he of course, it's sacred, life. isn't it? Yes. It's sacred, it isn't it? Yeah. But right, what these yeah. women are doing is they're so terrified of their vulnerability because they see vulnerability as a weakness rather than a strength. And that's what right. the world is teaching them. That's what society yes. is teaching them. That's what... Um, you know, that the, the media is teaching them. So they're buying into it. It's a myth. They're buying into it. And so they're now saying, well, you know, I, I was in our local wine bar a few months back, and I heard this conversation going on between a group of women. And it's exactly what you've just said. They were a group of women, very attractive women in their late 40s, early 50s, all groomed, perfectly groomed, beautiful hair, beautiful nails. And they were all talking about relationships. And they were all talking about how, you know, really, they didn't want a relationship. They'd quite like to have a man in their life, but they didn't want the, 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 the ties of that. So what they'd like, they like to be taken out, wined and dined, and, you know, and mm-hmm. they might sleep with the guy mm-hmm. maybe once every couple of months, but they weren't really interested mm-hmm. in anything else. And I had to be held back from this table because I really wanted to go over to this table and, <laughs> and say to them, do you know, girls, you're deluded. You've got it wrong. You've got it all wrong. And what a sad life. 
How sad is that? That's all, that's yeah, all you want sad. from a man? How very sad it's that sad. is. And why have you been hurt? Has somebody damaged you? Has somebody, you know, have you had something that's been so bad? Because, you know, that's not what the, the essence of life is. That's not what the essence of no, being it, here is. It's about, you know, it's about love. And it's about committing yourself. And it's about putting yourself out there. It's not about just, like, cherry-picking a few bits here and there and hoping that'll work. So, uh, you know, I have heard that. I've blogged on that before, actually. How depressing is that, if that is what oh, you've got sad. to look forward to? You know, but that's that, that, that is, again, it's a product. Yeah, and it's on of, epidemic, you know, epidemic proportions here. It's epidemic. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm an entertainer, and I'll be in a club and, yeah. uh, you know, working from yeah. the stage. I'm a comedian. I'll spot a couple and say, you know, she's all dressed up. She looks great. You know, she's gone the full, yeah. just exactly what you described. He's dressed up. Yeah. They're out on a Saturday evening. Yeah. And I will say, gee, how long have you guys been together? She will look at me horrified and say, oh, my God, no. He's just a friend. Oh. And he oh. looks, I look over him, and he's he's crestfallen at this point. He's brokenhearted mm. because mm. what we do is males, we're stupid. We keep hoping that because we're in love with this mm. woman that someday she'll mm. see that and, you know, honor that. And I looked at him, mm. and I said, how does that make you feel right now? And he was speechless. I said, you feel like crap, don't mm. you? And he mm. kind of, and I, and I said, I said, honey, let me clarify this for you. And I looked at him and I said, would you sleep with her? He said, in a second. And she screamed in horror to think that that man would look at her that way. He was supposed oh, to. She, here she was, looking her best, Well, wouldn't she be upset if she didn't feel like that about her? Uh, no, no, no that's what bothers like me. I don't understand. <laughs> that's you know, the way it I is. I mean, gone. well, I would. I mean, you know, if I'd been seeing a guy yeah. and, you know, everything, and he didn't want to sleep with me, I'd be mortified. So exactly. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand it, and and it isn't. We're not all like that, and you know. It, well, you know, this is this I, is I why I, I think it's I'm been reaching out for a long time. I well, I'm reaching out to women like you, who this is our only hope, is women like you, who can mm. because you see what I see you do, and why I get so excited and why I actually resonate and get chills or get goosebumps when I hear you speak because you're going exactly, you're going to the spiritual side of this. You're going to the woman's spirit. Forget Mm. the societal roles, forget all of that, Mm -hmm. the financial roles, you know, all of those, those myths. And you're saying, listen, if you really want to live a beautiful life, you have to nurture your soul Mm -hmm. and look at what that is. And that's not some, Mm -hmm. because of your feminine, your feminine, that means Mm -hmm. that you are vulnerable. That you are mm. soft, and that's your power. Mm. You know, you and know, so bravo so to you. Men. I mean, yeah, and so are exactly. men. Exactly. But again, exactly. Like, you know, I know, I know Tony's soft and squidgy bits, but nobody else mm-hmm. does. You know, yeah. I know when he feels vulnerable. <laughs> you know, and I would not, ne- I would not mess with that. I, I honor that. Exactly. And I honor the fact that exactly. he brings that. To the well, isn't? But that's and, what love is. Honest, you, you've transcended all of the politics. Yeah, yeah, you're talking about you're transcending the, the politics, the male feminine. You're talking about love, and that's where this has mm, to go. Yeah, yeah. But I always say, you know, I've always been one of these people. I am, I am an emotional creature, and I'm very proud of being an emotional creature. And this is another issue that a lot of women try to hide or bottle or put away. It's like, mm, not allowed to be emotional because if I cry, I look like I'm weak. Well, I must be incredibly weak because I cry all the bloody time. <laughs> So, you know, I cry at everything. So if that means I'm weak, well, God help you. 
Um, you know, so we, we see this kind of this being emotional as a bad thing, whereas, you know, I harness that. I think that's really important. So, and, 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 there, and because I'm like that, I demand that in other people. So don't come and talk to me with, with only half of yourself because that doesn't interest me one bit. Exactly. Bring yourself to the table or don't bother. And people know that about me. So, you know, you want to be my friend, you want to be in my circle, then you bring you and you show up. And you show up in your 100% version. If you only want to bring a certain bit of you, go find somebody else because it's not me. And so I demand that in my relationships. So I demand that with, with, with Tony. You bring yourself to the table and I bring myself to the table. And, and nothing else is, is plausible. Nothing else is acceptable. That's the way it is. Well, so, there's a deep resonance to you and what in your words and you yourself. I mean, how can you not anybody listening to this not be number one and totally impressed, but also feel feel what you just said. I mean, you now mm. you're opening up and you're letting people know if you wanna find me, here I am. Mm-hmm. Here's my mm-hmm. truths and mm-hmm. I'm not ashamed to be a, no. a human. I'm not ashamed to be vulnerable. I'm not ashamed to feel love and have emotions. These are very human or things, fail, and what or we're make doing. Mistakes. Yeah. Exa- exactly. Yeah, and what we're doing is we're shutting it off. We're moving away from the heart. It's all going up into the head. It's all becoming analytical. And and what you get, I mean, look at our political scene. Look at our political scene. Look at the hate that's going on on that level. Oh, dreadful. Just dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. You know, and people. And- People ask, well, how did it get this way? I go, well, you've had a rhetoric and a movement that has extolled mm-hmm. hate and competition mm-hmm. and all of that. And this, are you surprised that this is where we ended well, up? Well, that's exactly the same way I feel. As well, people say to me, you know, how, how have girls got to this point where we're in a crisis? I think, well, have you been asleep? Have you been exactly. asleep? I mean, why is it a surprise that girls you know, are harming themselves, that girls are starving themselves. When you look at the media, when you look at the messages out there, when you look at a society that values them purely on the way they look, of course they're going to be fixated on the way they look. Of course they all want to look like Kim Kardashian. Of course they all want to, you know, be stick thin with big boobs and a big butt because that's what you've been selling them for the past 10 years and they're taking notice. And now they're taking notice. You're all surprised. You know, it does, it fascinates me why people don't see that, don't see it. And then all of a sudden, when we're in a crisis and we've got mental health crisis going on, which we have in this country with our young girls, everybody's really shocked. Everybody's uh, everybody's on medication here, you know. Yeah, well, we're getting that way as well. Yeah, you know, and and I I say to PC, you know, where I, I've had to hone my, you know, I, I'm sure I don't know if you get this, but I get this all the time. People just look, why, why don't you just shut up? Why don't Why don't you just accept that that's the way things are today? Mm-hmm. Why don't mm-hmm. you shut up? And you know, I counter with, you know, Gandhi should have shut up, you know, Socrates should have yeah. shut up, yeah. you know, Jesus yeah. should have shut up, yeah. Martin Luther King yeah. should have shut yeah. up, Nelson Mandela. When there's something wrong, somebody's got to say something, mm-hmm. and we clearly mm-hmm. have a lot of things that are wrong today. Mm-hmm. And but mm-hmm. people do, people are so uh, they want to they don't want any discomfort they don't want any feeling yeah. so they'd rather just sweep it under the rug let's just forget yeah. but the ones who suffer the most and what I've realized uh, I'm a I'm an advocate for women but I'm more of an advocate for the children yeah these poor kids yeah. they're they're coming yeah. into this kind of a society mm. yeah without kind of well it's like free fall isn't it because as you know. 
I mean, your teen years are tough enough without any of this stuff, aren't they? I mean, you, you know, you're trying to find yourself. Right. And you're trying to get a sense of your own identity and, you know, you're discovering the opposite sex and, and you know, you've got to make choices about your future and your career and what exams you take. I mean, there's so much teen angst without all this other stuff. I mean, you know, it exactly. doesn't surprise me that, that where, where we are, uh, you know, but, you know, we, the people that are saying it and trying to change it just have to keep doing it because, you know, like attracts like, and what I find is that I don't have many people telling me to shut up. And I think that's because yep. people that are attracted to me are attracted to my philosophy and what I'm doing. Well, yeah, and you have such a strong team. presence. I mean, I, I, I really admire you. you you've, you've branded yourself so, so proficiently. Mm. And, so you know, I, I and this is what comes out. in the what... my tribe. Exactly. They want to be in my tribe. Exactly. And th- therefore, exactly. they, and, you know, and... Have the same view, right? And kudos to you because this is the kind of message that has to be. You know, when I hear somebody—I don't know if it's fact or fiction—but somebody said, "Gloria, Gloria Steinem said, oh, gee, we didn't think it would turn out like this.' Well, hello, mm. hello. Mm. You know, why didn't you <laughs> think it all the way through? Yeah. You know, what, what the ramifications really of what you were saying? Yeah, I watched a really fascinating documentary. Obviously, you know that Tony's uh, World War One. Um, historian, so he's, you know, he's obsessed about all that era of history. And for women in the UK, that was the era of history where we got the vote, where, you know, everything Mm -hmm. started to shift. And I watched a really fascinating documentary about this, that, um, that, you know, when the guys came back from war, the guys that survived, and the women had got their jobs, can you imagine the devastation for those guys? You know, they'd gone to war thinking they were going to a war that was going to be six months. They came back having lost all their friends and family and literally came back as broken um, to a society where while they'd been away, the women had had to step up, in fairness to them, had to step up and run the country. And guess what? They liked it. So when the guys came back, they were like, whoa, whoa, hang on a minute here, hang on a minute here. You know, we want our jobs back on the docks. We want our jobs back in the factories. And that, for me, is where feminism really started. So it started on the wrong foot because the guys didn't ask for it. The women were demanding it. And so it's been very difficult to take guys with us on that path because it wasn't something that they wanted. They wanted the status quo, and I think that's still the issue. I don't think there are, you know, I mean, we're changing it slowly, 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 but I think there are an awful lot of guys out there that are like, I don't want you having our jobs. I don't want you in this organization. I don't want you playing football. I don't want you in the golf club. I don't want you doing this. This is my domain. Get back in the kitchen. So we're still doing Yeah, well, or, right, or, or find your own outlet for those, you know, things that you do. I mean, that women do so well. I mean, I don't, you know, it's funny if somebody claimed to me, you know, when, in the, in the days when we had, if you wanted to get somebody's number, you called 411 here, you called information. And, Mm -hmm. or if I talked to an operator and I said, you know, um, I don't like it when I get a male doing that. It's just a a preference. It wasn't anything discriminatory. Mm -hmm. I I like Mm -hmm. to hear a woman's voice in that Mm -hmm. role. And in the same way, when I go to a very high end, restaurant 
Mm-hmm. I want a male. I want a guy in a tuxedo waiting on me. Mm-hmm. Okay. And again, people say, "Well, you're a chauvinist." I go, "No." I says, "I says anywhere else." I says, "But in that mm-hmm. particular setting, I like to be waited mm-hmm. on by a man. It's a preference choice." Mm-hmm. I said, and mm-hmm. recently I said to somebody, "You know, when I go and get a massage, I want a woman to do it. I don't want a mm-hmm. guy to mm-hmm. do it." Now, none of those things mm-hmm. have to do with sexism. No. But they have to no, do with preference. preference. Mm. And so the so same thing with... So there needs to be both, doesn't there? So there needs to be exactly. male masseur and a female masseur, and you yes, can make a choice. exactly. What's wrong with that? Exactly. What's wrong with that? Exactly. Not sexy. And, 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 and so, you know, to see, I don't want a woman in the boxing ring with me. I don't want that. You know, first of mm. all, it, it grates against everything that I was taught and reared with, that you don't hit a woman. Mm. You know, mm. I mean, it just makes sense. And, um, and, you see, and again, and, that's and I, a preference I feel thing. a little bit torn in some of those areas because I personally feel very uncomfortable seeing women in combat. Oh, I personally God. feel very uncomfortable about oh. that. But then the other, the other side of me is, you know, as women, you know, we should have, be able to make our own choices. We should be empowered to be able to be and do what we want to be and do. Exactly. So on the other side of it, and like if you want to go into a ring and have the crap beat out of you, then who am I to say that you shouldn't exactly. do that? But right. from a personal perspective, right. I find it very uncomfortable. In the same way yep. that I find it very uncomfortable um, for women to be doing pole dancing as an exercise. Oh, yeah, Because exactly. for me, pole dancing comes from the sex industry. And why would I want to be exactly. saying that that's a great thing to do to keep fit? Seriously, exactly. go and go to the gym, really? go play tennis. You know, don't dance <laughs> down the pole. Yeah? But Take then, a walk. on the other hand, yeah, exactly. <laughs> on the other hand, if that's your choice and you you think that's well, exactly, right? Fit, then you, you right. do that. So there's personal preference and there's a global universal truth that says these are your choices and you can do um, do what you want. And I suppose that that's feminism. That's, you know, it's basically saying that, you know, whatever's out there, I can make a decision about whether I have it or not. And, and I should be able to. It should be equal. The playground should be equal. I should be able to do what I want. Exactly. But exactly. There are and consequences again, you know, to I... that. There are consequences to that. Right. If you think that you can go and be a, be a, a woman that, that is very combative and, you know, and, and do that for a living, then yeah. that means that there are certain things about your life that you may need to adjust and change to attract the partner that you're looking for. Right. End of. Right. You, you know, and what what shocked me about the incipient parts of the movement when I started to hear the rhetoric and the anger and the burning of the bras and, the, you know, the hate cries and and I was like, why, you know, what are they talking about? You know, I, I grew up in a house, see, I grew up in a half-Italian, half-Irish house, but it was predominantly Italian. My mother was Italian. My mm-hmm. grandmother's Italian. What that meant was there were tons of relatives. There was amazing food. There was great conversations. There was family dinner every night in which we mm-hmm. battled and we argued and we laughed, but mm-hmm. we got to communicate for a half an hour. Oh, and then the chores began. Oh, brought up in your house. <laughs> oh, it was fabulous. Was you know, and it, it was. And, and, you know, my first when. <laughs> I got into fist fights in grammar school, in the early primary school, because my first doctor, my pediatrician, was a female Russian immigrant. And mm-hmm. it made total sense to me that my doctor would be a woman, because who else, when I, when I got undressed, it was my mother who undressed me. 
I didn't get undressed yeah. in front of my yeah. father. And when these kids yeah. were telling me, they were laughing at me, saying I had a woman doctor, and they had a male doctor. It was, again, preference. Yeah, it was like, why it. would you yeah. want a male doctor? Yeah. See, he's not <laughs> a, you know, males by, by, by virtue of who they are aren't the healers, aren't the nurturers. Mm-hmm. It is mm-hmm. the female that did that. Yeah. When I got hurt, yeah. I got fooled. I didn't run to dad. I ran yeah. to my mother because she, mm-hmm. she, that was her skill set. Yeah. And, you know, that's nothing wrong with that. That's the way no. if we were built. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, then, and then I say yeah. the whole thing with the chores. And then when my mother said to my father, my father, my grandmother got ill. And my mother, who had been with her all day and taking care of her, taking care of us, minding the home, she finally got to a point and said to my father, I can't do this anymore. I have to go out. I have to go to work. I want to mm-hmm. go to work nights mm-hmm. just to get away from this. And my father said, of course. Yeah. And then my father yeah. helped take care. Not only That's was he doing the chores, yeah. he was taking care of my grandmother. That wasn't his mother. Yeah. And yeah. so what I saw, what the result was, what we're talking about here, love, and I saw a beautiful family. Mm-hmm. And all of that so is just quite yeah, for you that's quite normal, but it but it it's not for others, is it? You know. I know. Well, that's just what I found I mean, out. Some of us have the capacity to learn and grow, and you know, and and some of us don't. But some of us bury our heads, and some of us ask questions, and you know, because because I mean I wasn't brought up in a perfect home, but it, you know I my mother and father definitely loved each other. There was no question of that. But, you know, it's not that there were issues there. But that doesn't mean to say that I'm going to pass on those things. It doesn't mean to say that I'm going to repeat them, you know, because I'm right. curious and I ask questions and I've I've, I've developed exactly. me and I've, I've got an awareness of who I am and, you know, and what I need and what I'm capable of because I've invested in me. Lots of people don't do that, do they? You know, it's with all the great spiritual teachers say, what good is what good is an unexamined life? You know, I mean, what's the purpose? Absolutely. But there are so many people that that don't do that. There's enlightened people and then there's everybody else. So we just have to stick together, Tom. (laughs) Jane, I'm going to bring this. This is a perfect time to close this up because Mm -hmm. I don't know what else you can say other than what you said. (laughs) And it's a return to love. And I... You know, the beauty is this is recorded. It will become a you know podcast. It will go on iTunes, et cetera. And I can just say to people, and hopefully someday I have uh, enough money to pay for a transcription and we can both um, sign this and it will be a little booklet. Mm-hmm. Because it's the kind of dialogue, yeah. isn't it? It's, it's not just two women talking about this or anything else. It's two like-minded individuals, male and female, looking for solutions looking for another Mm -hmm. way looking for another way to bring up the next generation because my god if this generation brings up the next generation what are we what are we going to get then Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. this generation is we have to get closer to our core not further away we have to get closer to it we have to embrace it Mm -hmm. rather than pushing it well thank you so much for your time it's always a joy always a pleasure thank you you, and someday, yeah, and, and, and <laughs> Rosemary's oh, up well, I love you. I love your your area of the world. I love Boston. Been to Boston a few times. Well, please, you know, it. you've got a house to stay in any time, you guys. <laughs> I love it. Come on, we'll have fun in Boston. Well, thank you so One much. Day we will. Jane, please say hi to pleasure. Tony. I will do it. All right, indeed. love you. See you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. Take care. Hey, Rosemary, did you have a good time? I did. Rose? Great. Yes, I'm right here. Isn't she? 
Isn't she fabulous? She is. She is. It was a lot. Uh, yeah. I wanted to chime in a few times, but no, I, I let it go, and I knew I think I was muted there for a few moments there. I had a little Well, what happened? I, I, you were, were, you in a, were you in a car? No, no. Were you in I'm a sitting car? right right. Right here at, oh, at home. because what was, we were getting sta- we we were getting static as though you were in a car. So I I had to. Uh... Oh. No, I had I had somebody come in. I they already knew. I informed them I was on the air, but they decided to just <laughs> let go anyway. And I just I said, uh oh. Yeah, yeah I had the same thing happen there in the middle. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, thank you so much for joining us. Well, I, I think she's just fabulous to do what she does and the way she thinks and the work she's doing, and I think that's the kind of rhetoric. Yeah. Dialogue. We need dialogue. We don't need uh, hate anymore. We need a uh, meeting of the minds. No. And, um, no, there's too, much, so, there's too much of it going on. There's too much hate, too much, uh, as they say, hate and discontent going on, and uh, I think uh, right. exactly. that should be swept under the rug and, and vacuumed up. <laughs> yeah, super. Well, thank you for co-hosting as always, and um, feel free to bring in a guest. And anyone who is listening, I hope you uh, share this and tell people about it because it really was—it's um, dynamic, dynamic stuff. Definitely. All right, you have a beautiful day, Rosemary. I'm going to sign off, and I thank everybody uh, for, too, for those Tom. who are still here. All right, and I'm going to sign out with Tavares, one of my favorites. <laughs> Thanks so much. Have a beautiful day. Tom Hayes signing out for Blog Talk Radio and Upbeat.